author, philanthropist, and internationally acclaimed interior designer, Roz Banksy-Smith appeared to be at the top of her game in 2019, and then it all came crumbling down. In this conversation, we go deep into Roz's journey through cancer, COVID, and courage, and the creativity that's coming through now on the other side. Roz is a longtime member of our Lightbeamers community, and over the years, I've come to know her quite well, often connecting with her through a Zoom call or Facebook Messenger, and checking in and having really meaningful conversations about business, life, relationships, and spiritual connection. Deeply rooted in her faith, Roz has always had a way of finding the deeper meaning of life's biggest challenges. So I hope that this conversation sparks your own exploration. Let's get into the inside story with Roz Banksy-Smith. Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Lightbeamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Lightbeamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Roz, I'm so excited to have you joining me on the Inside Story. Welcome, welcome, my friend. Good morning. It's exciting to be here, and, I'm, and I think it's fabulous, given the connection we've had for so long, that you wanted to include me, so thank you. Oh, I'm honored to include you on this podcast when I was, you know, planning out all of the different episodes that I wanted to feature and the stories and the women that I wanted to bring in. You most definitely have been on that list for a long time, and yeah, it is fun. And you said good morning and it's my afternoon because you're down in Australia, down under. And of course, I'm recording this from Texas. And it's just so fun because of the internet and because of social media, really, Roz, that we even know each other, which I just find lovely and fascinating. Don't you? Yeah, it is. It's incredible. I just feel that for me personally, my life has been enriched because I get an opportunity to meet and form beautiful friendships with people like yourself from another continent. And, you know, that's taken the whole pen pal thing from when I was young, where I always thought it would be so exciting to have a pen pal. And the internet actually brings that to life, where we get to know people and we learn about different cultures and different parts of the world. And I find that really an exciting part about social media. Yeah, I do too. That's been one of the blessings that I have discovered from, you know, really starting Lightbeamers and and using social media in a very strategic way to grow Lightbeamers. And the beautiful side benefit has been the way that it has allowed me to expand 
quite literally into other countries and meet so many amazing women like you. And then those conversations develop and we have a relationship. I can remember the first time and actually really was outside of light beamers. You and I were in a joint class. We were taking a spirit junkie class with Gabby Bernstein, a mutual mentor and someone that we both admire. We admire her work. And that's really where we met. And I remember you reaching out to me and just inviting me to a conversation, to a phone call, like an old fashioned phone call, right? And I was thrilled. Of course, I'd love to chat with you, Roz. And and we've had many, many conversations since then. We kind of have a little a habit, a little system down where about every so often, so, so many months will go by and then one of us will sort of tag each other and say, hey, you want to catch up on the phone again, right? It's so fun. Yeah, well, absolutely. I felt like we had a lot of synergies between us and we were doing a lot of interacting online. So I thought it was perfect to try and get to know Yeah, well, I'm so excited to have you today and because I've been watching you and following you and obviously having conversations with you, I know that you have been on quite a journey. And as I share your info, as we started this broadcast about the acclaim and the accolades that you've had in your career and in your life, really just the wonderful, wonderful success that you've had as you have followed your passion around design and travel and really philanthropy. I know that's another big piece of it. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. But all of that really started to sort of crumble and fall away starting in the year 2019 when you were diagnosed with cancer. And your journey since then has continued to amaze me. And I think a lot of people will glean so much wisdom from hearing your story and specifically hearing how you are coming out on the other side of your story with a particular message that you have to share with people. And so I do want to get to that because I think that's where the real beauty of everything you've been through over the last year and a half or so, that's really where the fruit and the juice is, right? But I'd love for you to take us back just so those that who may not, you know, many listeners don't know who you are and they don't know that story. Those that have been in the Light Beamers community are probably a little bit more familiar with you and have, you know, seen you showing up, sharing pieces of that journey with us. But in 2019, let us know what happened when you were first diagnosed with cancer. Can you tell us what that was like for you? Yeah. Because it really was a pattern interruption for you. Oh, it certainly was. I was at a point in my career, like you've mentioned, that life was really exciting. I'd won some of the major accolades, both in Australia and in Indonesia, for projects that I've been working on. And lots and lots of fabulous things were happening. And 2019 was set to be this exciting year. So my husband and I had actually we made this uh, decision to toast at our wedding anniversary of the exciting things that we're going to do and my husband was heading back to work on the properties, where, which is quite separate from me, and I was going to continue this beautiful journey of, of design and, and philanthropy that I had set before me. And this is a strange thing to say, but this is how it all unfolded. I was having a lunch with two developer colleagues of mine and um, we ordered a hamburger and look, the hamburgers were just huge. <laughs> and I remember mm-hmm. thinking at the time, I'd been having a little bit of trouble with my stomach and I remember thinking, wow, 
this hamburger is going to go down badly, but the developer, who was also a client, had paid, was paying for the food and I, I felt like I needed to eat it. Now, what yeah. I didn't expect was that actually triggered some profuse hemorrhaging and that was the first time that I really then realised I had trouble. Fast forward a couple of days uh, and the hemorrhaging was frightening and went on for quite some time, but I ended up in intensive care in the hospital and we discovered that I had a huge tumour that was uh, in my rectum and in my mm-hmm. bed and it was so large that they were not able to operate. So it was that I would need to go on chemotherapy and also radiation. Now, strangely enough, you should think you get diagnosed with something like that and you should feel fear. I felt there's a privilege in this and it might be a really strange way to look at being diagnosed with cancer, but I did not feel at any point that death was surrounding me. I felt like there were things that I needed to learn. I've got a really strong faith. So I recall coming home from the hospital and taking a soaking in a bath. I love soaking in a bath. It's a great way to relax. And thinking, okay, this is going to be a huge journey for me of learning. And so I smiled to myself and thought, I need to journal this. And that's actually how the book came about because I just journaled my way through and, and I used everything as an opportunity to learn and grow as a person. Yeah. And so, as I mentioned, Roz wrote the book Courage during her battle with cancer. And we'll say the first round, right, Roz? The first round, we're going to get to the second round. And I want to read something. It's funny that you mentioned, because I had actually tagged this in the book, that you mentioned that throughout the whole process, and this is one of the things I remember when you and I would catch up with each other, is that. You always, you know, to me, I I came away from our conversations, really not ever really worried about you. Like, I'm just was always so amazed at, at your faith and your belief. And that, like you said, death was never an option for you. Like you never even really thought about it. And so it was truly the word courage, right? Just leaning into the faith and journaling your way through that diagnosis and then the chemo and the radiation that got you through it. But you wrote here in the book, and I think this is in chapter two, which is on courage. You write, at just 58 years of age, I did not expect to be faced with my own mortality. My life was mapped out in my mind and death did not come into the equation at all. So before the diagnosis, obviously, as most of us, we're going through your life, you're just doing your day to day, you're thinking about exciting projects, you've got lots of really great things on the horizon, you and your husband are toasting to your anniversary, life is great. And nobody's sitting around thinking about death knocking on your door. But suddenly when death does knock on your door, or what a lot of people would equate to death when they get the cancer diagnosis, I find it interesting that death still did not come into the equation for you. And I know that when you and I have talked, you've talked about how so many people that you've seen since becoming a cancer patient, so many people you, you've seen how that thought of death or the fear of death in others is really sometimes the thing that takes them out. Can you talk a little bit about that decision and that ability of your own to really not entertain the thought of death? 
and how you think that led to your survival? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I was lying to be wheeled into the first surgery. So I had many, I've uh, had a couple of major reconstruction, but I also had quite a lot of pre-surgery. And I was waiting to be wheeled in to learn my fate. And I knew that it was very serious. And in fact, I was very aware that I'd almost died a couple of times already. So uh, something that I just might mention quickly is people should, at certain ages, make sure they have colonoscopies. <laughs> because, um, yes, but, yeah, yeah, very important. Yeah, I know. And I'd had, a t- I'd had a testing that had said that I was clear. So I chose not to have a colonoscopy. And uh, that was a big mistake because that tumour had been there for a couple of years, they would say. So I think, but I'm waiting to be wheeled in. And I thought, okay, what would I feel if I find out that I'm going to die quite quickly? Like that thought came into my mind. And I recall thinking I was actually happy with many components of my life other than I hadn't been totally honest about some some facets of my life and particularly speaking openly about my faith particularly being true to some of the things that I really wanted to do in my life, which I had probably, I felt, felt responsibility to my family. I felt responsibility to design community. They were all things that I put onto myself, I guess. And I realised that moving forward, that would have to change. But I also thought, what do I fear more? (laughs) Do I fear death? Or do I fear not living? And, in fact, that was the point. I felt like uh, my greatest fear would be to not live fully, to not honour who I was as a person to the fullness of what that might mean. And that's uh, free of responsibilities that we place upon ourselves, maybe culturally or, or whatever. Um, I, As you mentioned, I've actually come in contact with lots of people and I've been asked to speak to groups of cancer patients, etc. And uh, I really value the opportunity to do that. But something that I've noticed is I can almost tell when somebody has decided to give up and it doesn't surprise me to learn that that person has passed away. And I just felt it for myself, it was very much about I didn't want to fall into the pain of that. I didn't want to fall into the fear because what is fear anyway? To me, fear is purely not being in the moment. So I started to realise that I was at another point I was lying about to go into some huge machine and I got this feeling that I wanted to cry and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, and I started to get an image of myself at my own funeral, like, you know, and my children looking down upon upon me at the graveside and then I just, it's like I heard this voice saying to me, why are you choosing fear? You chose courage. And then it suddenly I jumped to realise, okay, what is fear? And I realised fear is taking myself into something in the past, like I hear about people who died from cancer, the fear that people have related to cancer, that was in my past, not actually my reality. I then took that image and put myself, uh, you know, passed away with my children looking into my gravesite and and that wasn't real either. The reality was I was about to be wheeled into this huge MRI machine where they were going to people who were professionally trained and dedicated their lives to saving other people's lives were about to take a look at what was going on inside my body. And uh, 
without having to be open from one, one side to the other as we would have in past times. So it was like this incredible technology and and everything that surrounded it and, in fact, we didn't need to be fearful. I just needed to stay focused and I needed to stay present. How did your journaling practice, which I know obviously turned into the book, you know, there's so much of the book is really just you walking yourself through this journey. But how do you feel that the journaling practice of writing about your experience each day of this cancer diagnosis and your recovery, how did it help you? Uh, Well, what I found was it helped me place my thoughts out of myself. So what I find is I really enjoy writing and I write every day. And we can hold things inside us and I think they can be things that uh, are making us unhappy or we're unsure about or it can be just things that you learn. And what I found is that I didn't want to have that hidden inside of me and by journaling it out, I could really write what I was feeling and what I was learning. And so that way of being able to express myself freed myself from the emotion of any anxiety that I might have felt. And it allowed me to really stay dedicated, I guess, in the moment (laughs) because it allowed me to appreciate everything that was going on around me. I'll just recall another occasion was that I was thinking, how am I going to do this? So I really didn't know how to be a patient. (laughs) I wasn't very patient to start with, but I didn't know how to be a patient. Here I was suddenly flanked in this blue gown that I would never choose in a million years to wear. And I had a bracelet around my wrist that actually had a serial number on it and, and I was a patient. And I'd gone from being able to walk in a room and people would try and come up to network with me, set up a dinner, uh, want to collaborate with me, to suddenly there were just people around me giving me medication, injections, <laughs> and so forth. And then what I came to realise, and that's something very important that I do pass on to other people, is the way that I was able to get through that was remembering who I was. What I did isn't who I am. And anything that I've done in my past is not actually anything more than something I've done. And the only way I was going to make it through was to remember who I was and have the courage to be that person in every moment I had to face. Well, that is just so profound, too, because I know what's coming next in this story, which is that once you recovered from that first um, bout with cancer, and wrote this book on courage and published the book and had even more exciting things coming about, there was a second diagnosis or a relapse. And then as you dove into that cancer journey, then we come up on COVID-19, right? Hitting our world. And so when that starts to unfold and you've already had this recognition that it's not about my title, It's not about what I do for a living. What matters is who I am. Talk us through that knowledge and that awareness and that belief when truly everything you have that is a title starts to get stripped away because that's what ended up happening is life as you knew it continue to change dramatically, have things get stripped away from you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So in my first bout of cancer, I actually was allergic to chemotherapy and I ended up spending 10 days and 10 nights on a drip and it was the most horrendous. It actually made having going through childbirth look like a walk in the park. It was incredible. 
And uh, but, but at the end of that time, I had actually been told by my oncologist to, to go away and expect the worst. So basically he was saying, look, you're allergic to chemotherapy, you know, sorry, but there's not nothing really we can do for you. And I ended up realising at that point that I would need to take responsibility into my own hands and I made it through and I was celebrating and I recall launching my book at only one sold-out event and uh, the organisers of that event knew the story because I had to share it with them that, in fact, the cancer had returned. So in a very short period of time, I'd actually found myself not launching the book and celebrating the fact that I'd had this miracle cure, although there was lots of work, of course, from my medical team. I'm not saying it's all me, but it was certainly a, there was um, a decision to live which worked, and then the cancer was back. So at the very end of the book launch, I um, had to t tell people that, in fact, life can go in a different direction. And it's the, our true uh, courage and our true ability to understand who we are that will take us through regardless of circumstances. And the look of shock and then, then realising why the MC had actually started to cry as she was trying to introduce me because she knew the story that, in fact, stage three cancer had returned and that I was going into major reconstruction. This, this uh, presentation and launch was on a Friday. The following Tuesday, I was going to be a major reconstruction surgeon and I found myself with a stoma and a bag and all the things that, that go with that. And, in fact, April, at first, I felt like I'd failed because yeah. I thought, how am I going to tell people? How am I going to say I'm not that miracle person? I'm just this this lady <laughs> that got cancer again. But then, then I came to realise that actually I needed to listen to the words in my own book. <laughs> Thank goodness I've written them. And, and <laughs> I actually need to tap back into that again. So I've now been through two major reconstruction surgeries. I've been diagnosed with malnutrition. I dropped to under 50 kilos, and for a lady at, at five foot eight and a half, that's uh, not really that. It's not looking aesthetically that pleasing, to be honest. <laughs> and, and I lost a lot of my hair. But in addition to that, I also came across. I'd been in this time where life had been taken away from me in the way that I knew it. And I just had to accept that I needed to journey through, that I couldn't rush things, that I couldn't change things, that I had to really tap into who I was as a person. And then what happened was the world actually got on the same journey. We all yeah. had life taken away from us. And I felt like I'd been, once again, given the privilege of having experience of being through that already. And what I found is that, um, when we have things taken away from us, it actually allows us to then reach into the deepest part of who we are to be able to make our way through. And I think the most important thing is not to fall into the darkness, not to fall into the pit of fear again, which I actually have witnessed lots of people doing. So it's, it's about we need to find new ways to be. And that, in fact, was my case with cancer. And that's my case when we came across COVID and I found myself in isolation as well. So I was totally, totally on my own. And, and that became what could be a problematic period because I did 
uh, becomes suicidal at one point. So here I was, the person that's always positive, and I surprised myself to think, my goodness, this is just one thing too many. Uh, but but what I found was that I remembered there's a vision of things that I want to do. There are people that love me, that are surrounding me, and that I, you know, I love them. And I wanted to move forward, and so I got the courage to be able to work my way past that fear. I shared with some people uh, what was going on, and uh, I made it through again. <laughs> so you did, yeah. You made it through, but not without a lot of changes in your life. And during this time of COVID and your cancer journey, especially the second time around, kind of this coinciding of time, you know, not only were you not physically able to keep your business going and and show up to be the designer that you are and keep projects moving, but when COVID happened, all of that got shut down. I mean, you work in the world of interior design, mostly in the resort sector and with hotels and resorts across the world. And, you know, if anybody, in case anybody didn't know, like hospitality just got shut down during COVID and still really hasn't recovered at the time of this recording. And so your business really started to take on, you know, not really started to get stripped away from you. In addition to these other things in your life, it's like this utter sense of loss of control and how you power through with this journey and this message of knowing who you are and not being defined by those external titles, right? Those, what we do for a living, what our careers are, what sort of accolades we have, who's inviting you to come speak. Like those are all really nice things and symbols of success, but none of that matters when you're sick and fighting for your life and choosing to live. And none of it matters when the world is shut down as we know it in the middle of a pandemic. And so when all of that started to get stripped away from you, what really started coming through for you in terms of like, what is Roz to do with all of this? Like, what is Roz supposed to do next? as you have journeyed back to health, because thankfully you are returning to health now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, firstly, I'm, I'm grateful because I've just found out that I'm in remission and officially mm-hmm. in remission. So that, that's a very exciting thing. But you're absolutely right. Everything got taken away. My health, my hair, actually mainly my hair was a terrible thing for me to have taken away. You know, I can so relate to that because as a woman, I mean, my hair for me too, like my hair is something, and I've talked about this and people laugh at me because I'm like, I don't like for people to touch my hair. Like my hair is like a thing, you know, like (laughs) I really like my hair and I'm attached to it. I'm attached to it totally unnecessarily and ridiculously. You know, I fully admit that. And it is total vanity. I know that. But there is a symbol of having control over that when you can style your hair and, you know, make it look the way you want it to look. But when you're going through cancer and you start to lose your hair or lose portions of your hair and have your hair change, that is such symbolism of everything else that's going on. Is it not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So for me, everything was being taken away. And it was like, gosh, not the hair as well. Like, what's going on? And it was like every single facet of what I knew to be me. And again, hair is just part of the aesthetic part of us. It doesn't actually change who we are as a person. 
And I came to realize that even with Spartan hair <laughs> and it looked like Phyllis Diller if I let my hair down because it was now it's growing back. I'm very excited, but it looks kind of crazy. <laughs> so there's no flashy styling for me. But what, what I really saw was that, again, that's just something else I was hanging on to. And, in fact, what I now see as being inspiring for me but also inspiring for the world is we've got an opportunity by being taken away from what we knew as in this frenetic world that we're part of because I think that um, for me personally, I was building my careers, building my platform, uh, looking for opportunities, but I never really stopped to think at the core of that, what do I want to achieve in my life? At the core of that, what is the best possible version of me? And so I see synergies with what's happening in COVID as well because what's happening is people need to step back and they need to then realise, okay, I'm not working in the way that I could before. So if we can't do that, why did it break down? Where are the problems? For me, on my personal journey, there are lots of things that I did that I think were against my personal health. And mm -hmm. now I would never do that again. I know I'm an ambassador for a global resort wellness company with Evo. And um, I, I probably originally was maybe one of the worst uh, advocates for wellness, if I'm to be honest. Whereas now I understand what it is to have everything taken away and I understand the true value. I understand that even to have hair on your head is the most fabulous privilege possible. And so nothing against the men that go bald and look very attractive. <laughs> but it's a real privilege to have hair on your head. It's a privilege to feel wind in your face. It's a privilege to be part of community. It's a privilege to have people step forward and be part of your journey that really have your back and care about you. And it's a privilege to care about them and show them that you love them. And I feel like the world was going on in this crazy, crazy world. And to me, I was very much part of it. I was equally guilty. And mm -hmm. by, by having to step out, by then having everything taken away, what's left is really just us as an individual, as part of the whole collective, part of the whole community part of the universe? What are we doing to the environment? What are we doing to the people in our community? Do we step past people who are homeless and make a decision not to do anything about it? Uh, or do we think, how can I actually use my platform, who I am, to make a difference in this world? And I guess for me, that is something that I've been really pondering on because I've now made it through a second time and I will write a second book. And um, if if things go to plan, although I've realised the best plan is not to have a plan because <laughs> yeah. sometimes what actually happens as a result of letting go and knowing you just want to contribute and serve in some way that the most amazing people come into your life and the most beautiful opportunities come into onto your plate and before you know it, you're actually part of something. So it's saying yes Yes, I want to be part of this world. Yes, I want to contribute. Yes, I want to be part of my community. Yes, I'd like to make a difference in my life and the life of other people in a positive way. And once you do that and you stop trying to plan it because it's the planning, I think, 
for me, I probably could have done a lot more in my, I'm now 59 years. Thank goodness. I'm, I'll be 60 soon. <laughs> uh, 60 to celebrate. That's right. I'm 60 early next year. Let's not raise it, I guess. But, but <laughs> I feel like, um, at, at this age now that, that one, that age is a privilege to have without a doubt. But also, I feel like I probably could have done a lot more in my career if I hadn't been so busy trying to control everything. So it's more thinking I can only do a certain amount, but whatever I do, I'd like to do really well. I think that's the golden nugget right there. And I know that that will resonate with so many people because we are all living this journey simultaneously through this pandemic and COVID in the year 2020, that's been the craziest year that any of us could have never dreamt all the things that have unfolded. And it was, it's really that it's the lack of control and having to release our death grip on control. And what happens when you do release the death grip and just allow things to unfold without manipulating them or trying to control it that actually what unfolds can be quite beautiful and even maybe even better than what you could have dreamt for yourself, right? You know, we know like God has bigger dreams than what we even can dream as humans. And so it's like allowing God to take over and just let him drive the bus instead of us trying to drive it all the time, right? And I know that you've experienced that. I know that you lean into that. And as you said, you have a very strong faith. And that's something that has been a (laughs) co-partner in getting you through all of this. And I just know that for me, this is where I struggle. You know, I know that I definitely want to control things. I definitely have this vision of what it's supposed to be and what I can create. So I just want to get busy to create it. You know, I, I can be impatient sometimes. I'm ready for it to happen now. And and I'm not afraid of hard work. So I will work, 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 work to try to create the visions that I have in my head into reality. And this is where I have to come back to also is getting back into my heart and out of my head, spending time in my journal, like you do, right? Try to write every single day so that I can get those jumbled thoughts out of my head and onto paper. It calms me down. It calms me down to, again, be reminded that I'm not the bus driver, that there's someone else in control, and that I have to lean into that. We're humans living a human experience, and we get this bungled up all the time. You know, like you said, you were kind of guilty as charged as the rest of us living this very frenetic, fast paced life go, 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 achieve, 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 do, do, do. And When all of that is taken away, honestly, it's been the biggest gift. If people will just choose to look through it, right? If they'll really sit with it, it's been such a gift to be forced to slow down, to not be in control, for me to really examine my life and figure out where do I want to spend my time? You know, how how do I want to enjoy the next seven years that I have with kids at home? How do I want to spend that? What sort of vacations do we want to take? And those may look different now. You know, I don't know that we'll take the same type of vacations we took before, at least maybe not in the immediate future. But that's okay. Like there's still beautiful experiences to have, even though they didn't look like the prescription I put on the paper. And releasing that control is so important. What I came to realize was that I had actually placed a lot of emphasis on trying to feel like I was important. 
And that was really quite an egoic thing. So I busied myself with a lot of things that I didn't necessarily need to do. So I found that going through cancer meant that I actually had to step back and allow my team members to take more responsibility. And they stepped up and did this most incredible job. Now, something that has proven to me to be really important is I believe in the metaphysic connection of everybody. So I realise that each of us has different gifts that we bring to the world and that by actually allowing ourselves to appreciate what is our gift that we have, what is the thing that we really do, and then try and connect ourselves with people who have uh, gifts that work with us, work in conjunction with us in order to create something better is actually a better way to move forward. So in a tiny way, I guess, that happened in my office because the or studio because my team members stepped up and started doing some really incredible work. What happened is COVID have actually <laughs> closed us down and our office is now unfortunately closed. I'm still now I'm now one one armed bandit. <laughs> it's just me. Yeah. And so what I've had to do is really look at how do I reinvent myself. I'm now coming to the close of the um, the not being well journey and I'm coming into the next phase of my life and I've got a whole lot of things that I would like to do. And so I can't possibly do those on my own. And what, what I'm doing now is um, really appreciating even more than ever the my connection with other people and working with people that have synergies that are bringing different gifts together. And so we're collaborating in new ways and we're finding new ways to work. And that doesn't mean that I have to work from, well, for me, it was I worked from 10 in the morning. I would make sure I was at work by 10 because I do a lot of meditating and stuff in the morning before I start work. But I would get into the office at 10 and I would finish anywhere between 8 or later every night wouldn't stop for lunch, you know, it was ridiculous. And so now my life is very different. I, I still get up and meditate, like I love the morning. Every time that I wake up, it's like, oh, my goodness, it's morning, fantastic, and I get up, I can't wait to be in it. And I meditate and I do gratitude and that's the time of day that I love to write Then I exercise. But now my day is just filled with something that's important to do on that day. So it might be that I'm doing research on something. It might be that I'm writing. It might be that I'm in meetings with people from literally around the world because I'm connecting with people from around the world. And we're actually looking at um, moving in to create some, some new things which I think will be a, a help to the world, which I will enjoy doing and I'll enjoy being part of. And And I think that for me, to have had a situation where everything got taken away so I could say, okay, all right, I'm not busy. Why was I busy? I was busy doing things I didn't that didn't really bring me true satisfaction. And now I've I've managed to make it through almost five times that I've almost died. Uh, the last one on an operating table and the second last major reconstruction surgery. And um that in itself was just to come and find out what had happened in that operating theatre and to discover that you know, incredible people, including a robot, that saved my life that day. Amazing. Um, yeah, it is amazing. But then when you've had that taken away and you think, okay, I've 
almost died. And so now I am definitely living. If I'm living, how am I going to fill my life? And how am I going to contribute back because I've been given the privilege of living? And, and I don't want to waste. Yeah. You don't want to squander that for a second. And, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people in my career, Roz, that have come through cancer or come through something equally as big as cancer. And this is universally what I typically find from people like you that have lived through these extraordinary health journeys of almost, you know, not being here to now being here. And you just, I don't think you can, and I've never, I've not walked the the cancer journey or some significant illness like that, but having talked to so many people and interviewed so many people over the course of my career that have, I know that there's this deep appreciation for what's on the other side and that sense that you just expressed of not wanting to waste a second of this second chance, really the second chance at living. And coupled with COVID, the fact that your journey coincided with the time that we're living in of the COVID era, that that seems to be amplified. And perhaps because other people are living a simultaneous experience, right? They're also having to redefine how do they work? What sort of things do they put on their calendar? You know, maybe they've been spending some of this quarantine time evaluating what that looks like and appreciating, as you said, really appreciating what you do get to go do now, eliminating some of the things that were just taking up space. They were just taking up nonsense space. And something that you said about now filling your cal- calendar very intentionally, like, you know, that that's the task of the day. It might be, I'm just going to do some research. Or today, my day is going to be filled with writing. Or today will be the day that I go and have meetings. That is something that I, too, have really tried to do with my calendar because I, too, have been guilty of just filling it so full that I get overwhelmed. And this is something that I'm also trying to incorporate is where I'm just almost singularly focused on that day. And like there's a project for the day and this is what I'm going to do. And so when I accomplish any piece of that, I feel satisfied and I feel fulfilled. I feel proud that like today, today's a perfect example. Today was truly a podcast recording day. And I knew that if I got a few episodes recorded that I would feel very happy that would feel enough that I didn't have to do 20 episodes in a day, even though I probably could, I could probably fill my calendar that full if I wanted to. But it's about being more realistic and giving myself more space to then go have lunch with my daughter who is at home now doing school from home. We got to sit outside and spend about 30 minutes sitting outside today, just enjoying the beautiful, cool weather that we're having and just have conversation. I got to go pick up my son from school who is doing in-person school. And so my calendar isn't so full now that I can't do those things, right? Because those are the things that truly do matter. And if I'm taken from this world tomorrow, I will have left today knowing I spent some time with people that I love, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. I think it definitely is for me personally, what, what I needed to do was think about what is it that I don't want in my life anymore and yeah. what is it that I want to include and, and then really being brave enough to say, this is me 
and this is is this is what I want to do. So without doubt, it, it's about that. It's about making decisions about what you want to do. And for for me, I I I really now feel strongly about the importance of wellness. And the, so for me, moving into more areas of wellness uh, is, is an important thing and, and what I see as value as to get to that point. And, and also um, in terms of, I would say, in my design profession, I think we get, we get a little bit carried away perhaps with the aesthetics of things as opposed to the actual essence of what we're creating for somebody. And for me, working with, on projects with clients, what is the thing that I value the most? And when I, I value it, it's not, of course, it's the end result and my client being happy. But what I value is the privilege of learning about them and getting the understanding there what they actually want to achieve. And then I've turned that and created that and brought that to life. And I guess now it feels like it's time for me to do it for myself. What do I really want? And then how am I going to move that forward? I recall once I was um, sitting in this beautiful area at uh, the Gold Coast here in Australia, and I was looking out over the um, out, out over the ocean, and uh, the tide was out. And so I was meditating, and then I closed my eyes while I was meditating, and then when I opened up. I had actually asked could I see a sign about something. And this was a, a couple of years ago now. It was before I got sick or realised that I was sick. And there were a whole lot of little mud crabs <laughs> that had all come out and they were all going in different directions. And, and what I felt at the time when I saw that was, oh, my goodness, um, I'm trying to be so direct with what I get to, but I wasn't at that time even sure about what I wanted to achieve in life. And then just knowing that there was something more and that I needed to, I saw that or this, the analogy with the crab that for me at the time actually symbolised that I needed to look at new ways. I had no idea that that would mean that I'm about to get really ill and everything taken away that I, that I ever knew. And then, of course, COVID coming, doing the same for the world. But, in fact, now I've come to realise that in fact, it's very much about that. It's finding new ways to be the person that I am and and honouring what it is that I want to do. So for me, it's sharing about creativity and it's about um, helping make a difference in the world through my, creative, my creativity and also uh, what I do with that in relation to helping others. So I've got some major philanthropy projects that I'm excited to be bringing forward in 2021 because, of course, I couldn't quite start in 2020 in the way that I planned. Well, I think that's just what's so beautiful is just seeing how you are taking this story, really, how you're taking your own story and not letting it end, but just continuing to evolve and taking the lessons that you've learned from this experience and then the stripping away of everything that has happened to you and getting down to the core of what do you value? What is important to you? And then whatever that is for you listeners out there, right? Whatever that is for you, asking yourself the same questions. And then it's just, then the next step is 
go do those things, right? Go do those things, which is what you're doing. You're tapping into this desire. And for as long as I've known you, you've talked about this philanthropic idea that you've had in the back of your mind. And you and I have had some discussions about it. And it's like, now you're doing it. Like now is the time. No more talking. It's time to do. And because that's important to you, that's a way that you can be in community with people that you love and how you can help and serve those who could use some help, right? I think that's so beautiful that that's the next iteration of your story of what's coming is now you putting this time and energy and this passion of yours and bringing your creative gifts forward in your creativity as a designer to then go and do this philanthropic work. You talked about creativity too. I know that we've had some private conversations about this, about the fact that creativity is in all of us. Creativity is in all of us. You even kind of mentioned it when you were talking about your team, you know, when it was time for the team to kind of take the projects, take the lead on the projects when you could no longer be there. What beautiful things you witnessed in them, because once they were given the reins, they did beautiful things with their own skills and their own abilities that maybe you would have never been able to witness in them as long as you were keeping a tight rein on everything. But once you had to let it go, those people were then given the freedom to live into their creativity and do beautiful things. Will you just talk a little bit about that and how you view creativity? I mean, you are a creative in terms of like the work that you do in the world. But really that creativity is really in who we are inherently. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to talk about that. Before I was an interior designer, I was actually a tertiary teacher and I taught in the areas of personal development, career development and business. And so at that particular point of my life, I was very much about helping people sort of find where they wanted to go in life. And then I was during the course of that, I decided I actually wanted to make a change myself and I really studied and became an interior designer. Now, my life got to be so busy in design that I started to think, how on earth do I stay creative? Now, at the time, I was thinking of creativity as only being associated with artistic professions. And it was when I started to explore uh, the essence of what is it to, st- to stay creative that I realised that I I believe I've been on the wrong um, definition of creativity. And part of what I would love to do now, and I believe our life goes in different stages. So there was a stage that I was the young teacher. There was a stage that I was dedicated to my family. Then then I've had the stage of building my career and now I'm at, you know, I'm over 60 next year, so I've got now a stage of where I might want to give back and serve in a new way where I don't have the responsibilities that I've had before. And something that I would love to do is actually use my platform to help people understand in a much wider way the importance of creativity to life. So for me, I think even going in that MRI machine, I'm actually witnessing some of the most incredible creativity of all time. So creativity is not to me about artistic endeavours, but in fact what we can create in order to make what we have around us better in some way, to make it a more positive experience for ourselves and for others. And so I feel strongly that everybody has a gift. Everybody has something that they bring to the table. And when I was talking before about 
my metaphysic connection with people and that I've got this beautiful experience now of people who are coming into my life that are bringing different gifts that seem to have synergies and be able to collaborate with me. I think that's something that I would like to be able to share with people is to realise, one, what do you have in your hand? What is your gift? And then how can you bring that to the world in some creative way? What can you do with your gift? So if we're not trying to do too many things, if we start to just really hone in on what we do and do it better, and and I think that's an important thing. Oh, I love it. I so agree with um, with all of what you're saying. And I've been on a creative journey my most of my adult career, having also been in a creative field, but really understanding that creativity is in all of us and it manifests in many, many different ways that we are all creative beings because we come from a creator, right? Like it's just in us. And that's been a lot of what it's been coming out from me lately, even this, like this podcast, right? Like this is an expression of creativity. It's a way of using my words in a way of creating space and opportunities for others to use their words. I mean, it's all just a beautiful co-creation. This conscious creativity is what you often talk about. I just would love to pull one more quote out of your book, Roz. This is again from your book, Courage, which I'm going to link up in the show notes for all of you guys to check out Roz's beautiful book. This is, of course, the first book that she wrote during her first bout with cancer. And now we know a second book is on its way because the story did continue. But I think that this is this is something I picked out earlier and I thought, gosh, this is just so perfect. And even now, even more perfect after hearing what you just shared with us about this idea of creativity and giving everyone, you know, this, these ideas that it's inside of all of us. And you write here, I am confident. I am courageous. I am renewed. I am creative. I am business minded. I am abundant. I am a receiver of wealth, opportunities, and connections that lead to an abundance in all areas. I trust my path. I mean, I just love those words so much because I know that you had to write those to bring yourself back to center sometimes to be reminded of this, right? Like this is what the journaling of this book is, is, and I know that that's how I have to write sometimes to remind myself that I am these things, that I am all of these things too. And dear listener, you are all of these things as well. It's not something that is special to Roz. It's not something that's special to me. It is something that is inside of all of us. But we have to do that last part, which is trust the path. And again, releasing that control and really viewing how do you want to be in the world? Not who do you want to be, but how do you want to be in the world, right? And living into those values and the appreciation and the gifts that we have. Something that I noticed as a teacher, and I've witnessed many times since then, is that often people are not really confident in themselves. So someone might make a decision to do something. And I think it's a default that instead of thinking, okay, I'm going to go ahead and and do that and work out how I've noticed in myself and in, in others, but particularly in others, people think about their lack. They come from a place of lack. So they start to think, oh, I can't possibly do that because... So trying to find an excuse why I can't do something. Mm -hmm. And in fact, what I think is more important is to start to recognise what you have in your hand and what can you do. 
and that if people then start to view things differently, look at what, who you are as a person and, and actually feel proud of it, proud's the right word, I'm not sure, but, but to, to recognize the things that we have that are good. And if we want to move forward, how can I move forward? I, I may trust that path, but I may not get there just with the skills that I currently have or with the way that I'm currently living my life. So what do I need in order to be able to get to that point? And I think creativity is part of that process. It's like, okay, I want to give forward. For me, I feel like I have gifts obviously in design but also in communication and creativity. So how can I bring that to the table? What have I got and what do I need to add? And it might be um, collaborations with people. It might be doing further study, doing further research or just getting in and doing the hard yards. But but it's still important and I think I'd love to think more people would realise the more confident you can become in yourself, then, then the more we have a tall poppy syndrome here in Australia. So... Um, it's not very often that people would actually talk openly about their gifts, about the things that they bring. So it's sort of like we're the silent whisper of it over here in Australia. And that's actually something <laughs> that I quite um, value in my friends from America because um, you're a little bit more open with being able to say publicly what, what you feel is good about yourself. And I think that's a great thing because um, it's about recognising and writing down, if you have to, what, what what you are and who you are, but thinking, okay, the more confident I can become, the more I can contribute, and the more confident you become, the less likely you are to find problems because you're going to see the good stuff, and then it just continues to compound and you find you'll see more and more good stuff. So if I take myself back for a moment and I take back to uh, when my doctor said to me, you're allergic to chemotherapy, uh, so go away and expect the worst. And I, I got that the second time too because, of course, I was allergic again. Um, and it, it was like at the first time that I heard that, I thought, will I cry? Will I hit this man across the face? <laughs> Neither of those are at all of any use. Um, and then later I went and really prayed about that. And it was like, no, he doesn't know who I am as a person. And, and I really see the value. If, if I'm wanting to move forward, if I'm wanting to do something positive, I have to think, who am I as a person? What have I got in my hand that I can bring forward at this time? Where do I want to go? Now I'm going to trust the process and really put everything that I have into my trusting that I can make this thing happen. In my case, it was that I can get to the other side of cancer and live. And then now it's very much um, I'm wanting to create and it's in the process of creating a safe house village model which will be using a combination of the hotel industry, the construction industry and the wellness industry. And so it's bringing them all together in order to create safe homes and education for women and children in developing countries which is where a lot of our hotel projects are. And uh, I was already in the hotel industry and I was already in the construction industry through my work. And beautifully, just recently, I, my talk, I've been invited to do a talk for the uh, Global Wellness Summit. My talk was chosen. And I feel like that's no mistake because that's now the catalyst for bringing me into the wellness industry. So there's the third one. 
to and, bringing them all together, which is the vision. And that's just happened. So yeah. it's a case of, of trying. It's more a case of believing. And yeah, trusting the path. Trusting the path and realising what I had in my hand. And in my case, it was just sharing my story about cancer and what I was learning, not wanting anyone to feel sorry for me, but actually thinking I've got the privilege of learning, let's share it. And then realising that was helping people talk openly about living, talking openly about God, talking openly about finding the positiveness in in dark times around them. So I, I realised kind of the value of that and before I know it. And so I would say that in a very hopefully short period of time, but who's to say what what time is, um, that that whole vision that I've had about the Safe House Village model will be an incredible design project that I can bring to Oh, well, I know that that is going to happen for you because it's already in motion and it's part of you know, just the lining up of your story is leading you there because all of these things are falling into place. And they've been a vision that you've had for a long time. And I know that that, without a doubt, that that in some way, shape or another will come to fruition. But I just adore you so much. And I appreciate this open conversation about your own personal journey and and just the wisdom that you are gleaning from it that I know will be so impactful for others to hear and for them to evaluate where can they let some of those things shed from the, the layers from their life that are really not serving them and stepping into being who they really are called to be and trusting the path along the way. Thank you so much, Roz, for being here today. I just appreciate you so much. It's my absolute pleasure. And I just hope that people listening will realize that even when we're faced with dark times, that that certainly doesn't uh, define us. We need to be able to to look past that and to, to be the light that we want to see in the world. To be the light we want to see in the world. Yes, 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 yes. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you.
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.